DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! (laughs) That really wasn't in the spirit of the thing there, PK, but okay. (laughs) want to mix it up a little bit, man. You got to have variations of boom. You just tried to lay down a suicide squeeze instead of swinging for the fences. That's what happened right there. Boom! Time to welcome in the former BYU linebacker. When he hit, it was more boom rather than it was boom. And that's just when he hits a golf ball. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, joins us now. David, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's going on, guys? I was uh, I was busy and it was late, so I have to admit I didn't see whatever you had to say on a BYU TV post game show. How do you spend a lot of time breaking down and analyzing these routes you're seeing? Texas State being one of the most formidable of the lopsided contests. Yeah, listen, it's uh, we're at that stretch in BYU schedule where you just kind of basically show up for if you're a BYU football team, take care of business, and move on to the next week. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those games where, you know, listen, BYU started out slow defensively. Texas State came out. And they went with that. You've heard Kalani dub it the, the Daffy Duck, where they were putting two offensive linemen flexed out wide, uh, and, and BYU wasn't ready for it. They hadn't showed it on film. So, of course, Texas State drove down pretty quick. They did the hurry-up offense and put up quick seven points, and then BYU settled in, and it was all BYU from there. But, um, you know, I, I have – Listen, the tough thing about that, that offense, the problem is you're, you're sending a message to your team. If you're Texas State's head coach, Jake Spavadol, you're sending a message to your team that, listen, we can't compete with these guys, uh, and so we got to try some trickery, and hopefully we can trick them and, and score a point, you know, a touchdown, seven points, but then you're going to get a steamroll from there. I, I'm not sure that's the right approach if you're a head coach to try to send your team, like, hey, we're completely outmatched. Instead of trying to go with our fundamentals and hang with these guys, we're going to try to you know, do some trickery and, and see if we can't fool them. Um, because, of course, BYU will make some adjustments, and they did, and they shut it down completely from there on out. So I don't know if that's the right approach, but that's what the options go with, and it resulted in, uh, obviously, a big win by BYU. So, yeah, one of those games where it's obviously not super interesting. I think it was fun to see the fans there in the stadium. I think they had fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty lopsided victory, which we've seen the last few weeks, and, frankly, you're going to see this week, too. There's Western Kentucky's not – not very good. So uh, it'll be probably the same result. With that in mind, I mean, BYU is just receiving extraordinary publicity. I mean, I could go back and say it's uh, you haven't received this much publicity since Bronco was racking up 10 win seasons back there in the late 00s and uh, watching television and a college football program with Herb Street and uh, I think it was Palmer and Fowler and Zach Wilson is on towards the end of it and they spend a good five, six, seven minutes with him and I watched it and you know they bring up the schedule although they're not really ripping the schedule and then Zach made a point and I want to get your thought on it was that you know you can talk about our schedule but he's looking at his from the offensive perspective obviously it's about the execution of what they're doing and how good they've been, and of course they can get better and all that stuff. So when we look at it, rather than focus on, all right, Texas State and whatever, rather than look at the stuff that they're doing, and if you go in that direction, does that make it a little more palatable to argue that they're a pretty good team? 
Yeah, I, I think it does. And that's something that on the post-game shows, and even pre-game shows for BYU, we talk about uh, the fact that, you know, you look back towards last year, and obviously BYU struggled against some of these G5 opponents and Toledo and USF, um, Northern Illinois, I mean, it, it, in years past. And so, uh, you know, the fact that they're going out there taking care of business, I mean, you look at Zach's touchdown to interception ratio, he's 16 touchdowns he's thrown with one interception so far this year. And so they're taking care of the ball. He's making good decisions. Um, he's distributing the ball. Just in those last game alone, he, there were 14, uh, 14 different receivers. And, and so he's distributing the ball to his guys. And, and I think that's what I like about Zach. Sometimes quarterbacks find their guy, right? Uh, and, and they just go after their guy and they look for them. And it's pretty evident that pre-snap, they're going to their guy. Uh, this year, Zach, you look at he goes through his progressions and he's throwing to whoever, whoever's open. <laughs> And wherever that seam is and wherever that void is in the defense, he's finding it and exploiting it. And I think that's the impressive thing about Zach. I mean, of course, he's got, uh, he's got a great relationship with Gunner and Dax Mill. Uh, but you saw this last week with uh, Isaac Rex and uh, Carter Weed. I mean, all these guys are getting the action. And, and I think as an offense, especially as a receiving core, that gets them pretty pumped up. And when they go out to every play, they go, listen, I have, a, I have a shot at catching this ball, right? This isn't an automatic go to Dax or automatic go to Gunner. Uh, if I'm open, if if I do my job and I find I, I find that hole in the in the zone defense, I'm going to get the ball, and uh, and I think that's why you're seeing this kind of offense collective unit do the do the things they're doing. And uh, but to Zach's point, I totally agree. They're taking care of business against the guys they're supposed to take care of business, even including Houston, who's, who's a good football team. Um, and and they're doing the things they're supposed to do, and and winning in convincingly fashion. So. I don't know. I, I, I'm with him. I think you can't knock him on you can't knock him on the schedule because obviously it's not their decision. But uh, you know they're 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 taking care of business when the opportunity arises. So credit to them and credit to Zach for for doing his thing. And frankly, credit to defense. This is something. This is a stat we were looking at earlier. Uh, BYU through their first six games last year, and keep in mind they played Utah, and Washington, and USC and these you know Power Five teams. But they had eight turnovers, and off those turnovers. The opposing teams had 48 points, uh, whereas in this year they have five turnovers so far this season with zero points. So really, the defense you got to credit the defense. They come out and they they stop the opposing teams uh, to not allow them to capitalize on those turnovers, including this last week. Whenever Texas State got the ball, I think it was on BYU's 10 10 yard line, and BYU held them without any points. They went four and out. So. Uh, really, both sides of the ball clicking, and it's uh, I mean, it's resulting in blowout wins like we're seeing. So we are seeing uh, lists of, you know, the best quarterbacks and depends on who's calling the game and everybody does it different, but he keeps popping up top five. Well, if he's top five, then he's possibly a first round NFL draft. At worst, he's a second round NFL draft pick. You played in the NFL. You were with six different teams, if you count the teams where you were practice squad, you know, only, which means you saw a lot of NFL quarterbacks in practice, and you know what the best have, and you know what the second or third guy didn't have that the starter didn't have. Kind of where does he fit in? What skills does he have that remind you of the NFL quarterbacks that you saw? And what doesn't he have that you know NFL people are going to want him to have? Yeah, I, listen, I think uh, as we progress this season, here in two weeks will be a good test against Boise State, and then of course if BYU keeps, keeps winning, then maybe a New Year's Six Bowl game against uh, you know a, a big P5. Uh, obviously, that will tell us a lot about Zach and, and how far he's come. Uh, but what he's put together so far this season, I just looked to it, 16 touchdowns, one interception. His decision-making uh, is up there next level. And, 
And, of course, listen, when you get to the NFL, the defenses are so much more complicated than what he's facing in college. Uh, the schemes are more complicated. The, I mean, the looks, the, the disguise that goes on, it's, it's all obviously next level. I mean, it's, it's the NFL. It's now your job. So uh, it, it just makes it that much more difficult for quarterbacks. Uh, but when you look at his skill set, I mean, his arm strength, and to your point, I, I've, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks in my day and seen a lot of guys in practice and, and games, and uh, he's got the arm strength definitely there. I mean, some of those throws, in fact, the throw last week, the, the one that you've seen all over ESPN where he throws all the way across the field to Dax Millen for a touchdown and went, if he traveled something like 63 yards. But the, the impressive thing about that throw is it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, the yardage, but it was the trajectory of the ball. He threw it on a rope. The Dak, and he had to because the safety was sitting right there. The safety actually did a good job on the play. He stayed backside because Dak threw on such a rope that the safety didn't have a, a time to get over there. Um, and so it, it's, it's just impressive what he's doing. But I, listen, I think BYU continues to win. This is, and I've said this before, uh, I, this is Zach's last year. I don't see him coming back if, if BYU continues to win and, and if he is a top five quarterback. Uh, you, have to take, you have to take the money and, and move on. And frankly, the schedule is helping him out, obviously. I mean, he, if BYU keeps their original schedule, I doubt BYU six and zero at this point, um, and he's probably not getting the national pub that he, he's getting right now. So at the end of the day, COVID and the schedules kind of helps Zach out. But regardless of what the schedule or not, I think he would have shown this year that uh, he's much healthier, obviously with the with the shoulder being fully, uh, you know, healthy, and then you know the next level with with what he's learned and and how he's progressed as a quarterback is next level as well. So. And that's something that I think people don't realize is a lot of times these quarterbacks, Zach, uh, Taysom in particular, when these guys are rehabbing injuries in the offseason, they don't get to go through a spring ball like Zach didn't get to go through uh, a couple years ago. It really it really stunts your growth. And, and there's a reason why spring ball is so good for everybody is because you get those mental reps. Uh, you also get those game reps as far as being on the field and during practice. And you get to see a lot of different looks during spring ball. Uh, and, and I remember tasting the same thing. Tasting almost every single off season, he was rehabbing something. He wasn't out to participate in the spring ball. And the same thing happened to Zach a few years ago. So, yeah, this is. Uh, uh, I think for him, he's de- definitely taking that next step. I would love to see how. I, I'm really anxious to see how he performs in two weeks against Boise because I think that's going to be the, the the big test. And of course, San Diego State, then and, and then a, a big bowl game at the end. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think up to this point, he's definitely pressing up. I think he's he's NFL worthy. Uh, whether he's a starter or not, we'll see. I mean, that's uh, like I said, you have to take a whole another step once you get to the NFL as a quarterback to be prepared to be a starter. But uh, so far, so good. So when he was on that ESPN television thing with the college football, Herb Street and those guys, he was talking about how the quarantine actually was beneficial for him because it gave him time to do some stuff that he wouldn't have because he would have to be on campus and doing all those things that you need to do there. And he spoke of, obviously, the John Beck situation and being down there, and I think he said at uh, one point he was up, he was down there a couple of weeks and straight. So I'm wondering, should we be rethinking how these guys do off season? Because Zach himself is saying that was so beneficial. Well, if it's so beneficial to him, then why not have most of your guys, all your guys, do that and go do things differently than what you've been able to do all these other years that we think is the way it should be. Yeah, listen, it's not a bad argument. I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about the quarterback. I mean, I don't think a right. linebacker's D-line need to go off to some training camp somewhere and learn stuff. But I, I think it's great. I think, I think you often receive coaching from some different coaches than, you've, than you're typically used to. You know, instead of sitting there with Aaron Roderick and learning from him day in, day out, you go get somebody else's uh, perspective and, and opinion and coaching. 
Um, so I, I, I do think it's great. Listen, that's what the, that's what the pros do. Uh, the pros in their offseason, they go down and they meet up with coaches and, and just kind of get switch up the training a little bit. And I remember uh, when I was playing, uh, you know, you had your NFL training with, as far as just, you know, lifting weights and your physical training. And basically, which consists of very lightweight, not much. And I'd come back to BYU every offseason, and I'd hit it hard with the guys at BYU, where it's which heavier lifting and just kind of a different, just a whole different regimen, right? So that switch up for my body was great, and I loved kind of going back and forth between the two. And I think it's the same way with with you know a quarterback uh, on on the throwing and, and just kind of getting different looks and different takes from from different pros. And so, uh, yeah, I. I, I think that's encouraging. I, I think even college guys should find a way to go get some different coaching and, and just kind of hear from some other pros and, and look at it. Uh, it's obviously difficult because, like you said, any other year he'd be expected to be here with his teammates doing player run practices uh, and, and being with the team during the off season. But this year, because of COVID, they weren't holding him. So he had, he had time and flexibility to head, da- head down to, uh, to see John. So uh, I, I agree. I, I think it's something that's uh, pretty interesting. In fact, if you're John Beck, you're probably in this and saying, looking at this and saying, listen, there might be some opportunity for me to go do some consulting and fly all around the country. Well, yeah, if I'm Beck, man, my rates just went up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I think what these stories underline is the fact, uh, and, and a lot of people already know this, but it probably makes a new group of people aware of it, that being a D1 athlete, if you're going to be really good, it's a full-time job. And that if you can take classes online, that is – quicker and more efficient to get you through the school portion of it. And the NCAA rules that limit you to the 20 hours a week and all that, while they may be well-meaning for the guy who wants to have a shot at the NFL and wants to be an elite college player, uh, they don't really work. So how much does this change that down the line, and how much do you think, well, the NCAA just doesn't react to stuff like that and it's not going to change? Yeah, listen, I think every year as football and money becomes more important to these programs, I think you're seeing a shift in that, that, that football is more important than, than frankly, going, going to class. <laughs> and I, I think these guys go, obviously go to class and they get their degrees, and I think all universities want to make sure they do that. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, now, for example, now they have iPads that they can watch all the film at home or, frankly, even in class if they, if they wanted to. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't around when I was there, uh, and that's a huge luxury, right? I mean, I, I would have to sit there in the linebacker room till late at night watching film or now these guys can sit on their couch at home. And so uh, there's just different access to, to things as, as we get you know, more technology advanced and, and these guys are, are, are uh, have, have different um, things that they're at their, you know, to access. So I, I think to your point, I mean, for the NFL, that's the thing is all of a sudden becomes your job and you're there from 7am to 6pm every day. Uh, and and now college is saying, well, if we want to make that step, we got to be, you know, we got to dedicate that same amount of time. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a new trend where where guys just obviously are spending more time to, to their craft. And I I know talking to Keel and some of these other guys, we always joke like, man, we should have never gone to class. We should we should just focus on football because that's going to pay a heck of a lot more than our degrees might. But <laughs> and we kind of said that jokingly, but uh, there's some truth to that. If the guys that really have a, a legit shot, like a Zach Wilson. I mean, yeah, you got to find every way to, to, to improve yourself and, and dedicate yourself to football. And keep in mind, football season really, I mean, the actual season itself is only, you know, one semester. Uh, it's not like basketball that just keeps dragging on, right? It kind of spans <laughs> two semesters. So you just, you just ride out that one semester and uh, see what you can do. 
Uh, so I want to hear the next BYU guy come out and like Cardale Jones. I didn't come to Ohio State to play school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, that's the thing with college football. Is it, I mean, it's all about the money, obviously, as we've seen. And it's, uh, that's where it's trending. And so, listen, if you want to be successful, you got to figure it out. But I, there's still ways you can balance both, obviously. But, uh, but, you know, you look at the guys that really dedicate themselves, and, and typically those are the ones that are more successful. So Kafusi had the pick six. I guess that's a uh, a defender, particularly the back seven's dream. Did you have one? I did. I had one my senior year, just like uh, Isaiah against uh, Wyoming. So about the same caliber type of team um, as Texas State. But uh, yeah, that that pick was that pick was solid. He uh, you know he, he did what he was supposed to do. They shortened the field because they flushed the quarterback out, and he just sat back there in the zone, read the quarterback's eyes, and jumped it. But I like how he did. I mean, mine was pretty easy. Mine, mine tipped off a helmet. I grabbed at about the same point. I grabbed like on a 30-40 and just ran in the end zone untouched. But he had to make some moves. He was kind of tiptoeing along the sideline and had to cut back. And uh, But how about him calling that shot? I mean, that's something that you probably saw the video come out. He said pregame, he went up to the videographer and said, I'm going to be in the end zone tonight, you know, find me there or whatever. And he <laughs> called a shot. Sure enough, he was in the end zone. That's, that's the more impressive part, that he called it and he, he got in. So. Uh, He's Babe Ruth. Ser- <laughs> yeah. But in all seriousness, Isaiah, uh, uh, he leads the team in tackles right now. And he's a captain for a reason. That guy's a stud. He's been a, he's been a playmaker, a producer for uh, you know, his entire time here at BYU. So I'm pumped to see him find the end zone. And, and you know, I think that's something that uh, these linebackers are learning from him and, and he's teaching them. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this defense. Like I said, the defense is you – know, the offense gets a lot of praise right now. Uh, but this defense is, is playing lights out. And, and it's, it's fun to watch them come together and, and stick together whenever they, like I said, they're, they're forced to do a short, short field situation after BYU's turnover. And, uh, you know, they, they hold Texas State without any points. I mean, just stuff like that is, is awesome to see. So pumped to see them going forward as well. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And uh, kids don't go to class. I think that's what David was telling you. Yep, take note. Don't go to class. Focus on football. That's what it's all about. All right, there it is. David Nixon (laughs) making people cringe all over the Wasatch front. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's all kidding, by the way. Kids, go to class. You got to get your education. All right. Thank you, David. (laughs) All right. See you guys. All right. You know what it does remind me, PK, is when you and I were up at the U last year and we were talking to Jalen Johnson and he was getting his degree in in less time than the four full years because he knew all along that he wanted to leave and go to the NFL. And he wanted to leave a year early and he wanted the spring semester of his junior year to get ready. So it was like, I'm doing this in two and a half years. I'm taking online classes. I'm here in the summer working out. So I'm taking summer school. And then we're asking about his social life. And he's like, there's not, there's some time, but there's not a lot of time left after you're getting your degree in two and a half years and you're watching as much film as possible because you want to look as smart as possible for NFL scouts and GMs. Yeah, that Jalen Johnson interview, we did that when he was a freshman, and he talked about speaking, calling his shot, Yep. and he mapped out what was ahead the next few years, and he he met every check mark, and now he's starting for the Bears, and they, they absolutely love him. Yeah, it was very impressive to talk to him when he was just a freshman because he had the mentality that was of a 40-year-old, basically. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen, College Football Insider, is coming up next. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. When you look at Zach Wilson, nobody anticipates that he'll win a Heisman Trophy, but what are the odds he might be sitting next to a Heisman Trophy winner in New York? I don't even know if they're going to have it in New York. He could be sitting yeah. in uh, Draper on Zoom in December. <laughs> I think you put it in the right context. He could win the Heisman Trophy, but I would think the odds are minuscule. He has a good chance, I would say, right now to be a Heisman finalist. First of all, because he's performed and his team has performed. Individual performance is obviously the most important part of the Heisman. Team performance is a huge part. I mean, think back to Alex Smith when he finished second in the Heisman. A lot of that was because Utah was such a big story and they were undefeated that year in 04. So that compelled everybody to have to watch. Regardless, like he has earned every bit of the praise. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK and Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, you know, we're curious after a couple games here. Your Aggies played Boise State, and obviously Boise State dominated that game, except for one, I don't know, 10 to 15-minute stretch there in the second half. Uh, what does it tell you about a BYU-Boise State matchup? If anything, what did you figure out this this past weekend? Well, I think I think I think Boise State's pretty good, but I also think I, I don't think Utah State, and I don't I don't think this is something that Gary wouldn't wouldn't tell you face to face. I think they they struggled in a lot of aspects of the games. Um, you know, watching watching them tackle, watching their offense. I mean, there's there's a lot of improvement that needs to take place for Utah State. However, I would consider Utah State to be equal to most of the teams that BYU has played, if not better. And so when you're looking at that, I think Utah State needs to improve. Um, With the exception of Houston, I think Utah State's a better team than most of the teams that BYU's played. So I guess the long answer that I'm giving right now is BYU is very good. Boise State is very good. I'm looking forward to that matchup, and that will be a great matchup for BYU to see exactly where they are. Uh, that's all well and good, but how jacked are you for the reboot of Saved by the Bell? <laughs> you know, there's part of me that's a little bit excited about that because, you know, that that's right in my wheelhouse. I mean, we're talking yep. about Zach. We're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a fun yep. show to watch back in the day. Of no, course, of course, of I'm course. Not, I'm not jacked up at all. I, I, in fact, yeah. until, you just, until you just said that, I had no idea there was a reboot. So thanks for ruining my day. <laughs> he yanked your chain. You're not going to stand for that. I just made your year. Right? I didn't ruin you. The what? idea of Kelly Kapowski. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I mean, no words. <laughs> Listen, you know, usually I just have a bad five minutes and I like to milk it all day. That's what I'm going to do today. I don't really have bad days. I just have a bad five minutes. and I milk. Today... I'm going to milk it all day. I'm going to be a miserable person. I'm going to talk about how PK ruined my day all day over Saved by the Bell. And and when you ask me why, PK, I'm going to say, I learned it from you, PK. I learned it from watching you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, 
you and I, and along with millions of others, if not hundreds of millions of others, will be watching Saved by the Bell reboot, that's for sure, and then we'll compare <laughs> notes on how much we liked it when it airs. I don't even know when it's airing or what station, but whatever it is, we'll get back to that. But for now, we'll do a little football. This okay, thing okay. that uh, Zach Wilson, man, getting so much run nationally and this quarterback stuff and this quarterback, these quarterback gurus, these things, these guys have been around for a while. I mean, when I worked down in California, there was a couple of guys that you heard that quarterbacks that were going to SC, these Orange County guys, they were going to. And these guys were sort of below the radar because there wasn't as much publicity that gets out now. And, and now we're hearing about John Beck and and how uh, what's Wilson has taken Uber to get down there or whatever, whatever he's doing. Uh, what do you think about it? What is making this such a big story? Because there's got to be more to it. It's got to be beneficial to the kids. So what's actually going on there that makes it beneficial? To, to be honest with you, I, I I really like what – so and you'll remember this name, PK, because I know you've been involved in the baseball world, but the guy who really started this and, and, and really started the company that John Beck works for is Tom House. Yeah, and Tom House is an old baseball guy, right? Uh, with a scientific background, and he's broken down the throws of pitchers into scientific elements. He's broken the throws of football quarterbacks into the scientific elements, and he's been able to to land some big names. So, and and I think the genius or the 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 the, the intuitive move by Tom House was to hire really, really good former NFL quarterbacks that, that know what they're doing. They may not have been a huge name, but, but they knew what they were doing. Like John Beck, um, there's a guy out of Arizona State that they've hired. There's a few different quarterbacks that they've hired. And, look, uh, I mean, I, I won't mention any names of, like, high school kids, but they all go down there with hopes that if, if Tom House and John Beck and these guys feel like these guys are big-time quarterbacks, I mean, they're buying some of the networking to get to the next level, right? So, you know, John Beckham those guys at BYU. He knows guys from around the NFL that are now coaching college. And so do these other quarterbacks, and so does Tom House. And then the kids get a cool opportunity to work out with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And there's all kinds of guys that fly down to Orange County and work out with these guys. There's some quarterbacks that I know, and I know there's one that that actually lives here locally in the offseason that was a pro quarterback who actually didn't like to go there because he felt like it was too scientific and that they were trying to break it down too much. And he's like, look, if I've made it to the NFL, I've made it because I can throw the ball, not because, you, you know, not because I need to, like, work on my mechanics. He goes, I can pay anyone to put me through a workout. <laughs> so depending on who you are, you like it. But they're making a big story out of this. Uh, with John Beck and Tom House, but and and I'm not trying to take away from those guys because I I think they do a fantastic job. But Zach Wilson was going to be an NFL type quarterback regardless of whether he was driving down there on weekends. To me, I mean, I I just felt I've I've felt for a long time that Zach has all the tools that as long as he puts it together on the field as far as reads and all that kind of stuff. Um, that he was going to be great. So I really feel like the credit goes to Aaron Roderick um, for developing this guy. I think one of the things that I've complained about at BYU in particular over the years is that 
BYU quarterbacks and some of the players in different positions had not improved while they were at BYU. So I thought they were good players coming out of high school. They were highly touted recruits, all that kind of stuff. And then they didn't improve. To me, there's nothing that Riley Jensen can do in a personal workout with Zach Wilson that's going to help him to be able to read the field better, to actually like see the moving parts and make the throws against the 7-on-7 defense. But Aaron Roderick can, and Aaron Roderick can help him study and watch and learn and then implement plays in the practice scenario that are that are going to make him better. And I'm just I'm surprised that Aaron Roderick's not getting a little bit more run for doing such a great job with Zach. And and Zach is a great quarterback, but I also I also think that Zach's improved quite a bit under the tutelage of Aaron Roderick. So a couple things. Uh, there are guys who, after they do the maximum amount of time with their coach, in this case Aaron Roderick, uh, want to hang out and do other stuff. And so I think part of this story is, hey, this guy wanted to work around the clock, around the calendar, and he didn't care about 10- or 12-hour drives to Southern California. And so that's part of the story, how, how much he wants to work. But I think for teams going forward, you know, there's a, as soon as the NCAA has a rule, then schools, coaches, teams start trying to figure out how to get around the rule. So how does a school line up someone for the guys who are driven and the guys who want to invest the time once they hit the 20-hour rule and once they hit these periods in the calendar where there's a, a blackout time and coaches can't work with players? How do they set something up so guys can get in more work and more reps? Because some guys want and need it, and some may want time away or whatever and have other stuff going on in their life. But how do they set that up? Because clearly there's value in that. If nothing else, that it builds confidence in players, even if it's just repeating the same stuff they've already heard. Well, I mean, I know for a fact, just because I know of Cam Cooper up at Washington State, when he was playing for Leach, Leach was like, look, Go, go to your quarterback coach during the season if you want. Go to your quarterback coach on the weekends. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to call. I'm, I'm going to call the plays. I'm going to teach you how to read it. Go get your fundamentals and get all that kind of stuff with your individual quarterback coach. And some of those guys up in Washington State were flying down to Southern California and were flying down to San Francisco. And I mean, you'll remember this name, uh, PK. There's a guy named Rob Johnson. There's a guy named Steve Clarkson. Those are the guys there's I was thinking of. Guys yeah. that are doing all yeah. these quarterback trainings, um, you know, um, and and there's guys locally that are working out, you know, college quarterbacks on the weekends. The the cool thing I think that we can take from this about Zach Wilson, he's always been a football rat. He's always been the kid that can't get enough. That was willing to quit basketball his senior year, where he was the starting point guard for two years just so that he could get in the weight room more and make more throws. I mean, this this kid loves the game of football, and um, sometimes that works against you, you know, where where I, I think he made a comment his freshman year, like, I, I, I plan on beating the Utes three times before I'm graduated here, and, and he had a couple of tough losses, right? And I'm sure he would love to play against the University of Utah this year sometime. And – but but he's a football rat, and he has high expectations for himself. He has high expectations for the guys that are around him, and I think it's serving him well right now because this is this this schedule has has been really really good for BYU to build some confidence back and to build some of their swagger back. And Zach Wilson 
regardless of who he's playing against, has made the next step. And that step is probably going to cash in a lot of money for him on the next level in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's the word funny isn't the right word, but it's sort of funny in that uh, you bring up Aaron Roderick as much because I think it was the second game, maybe the third game, but I think it was the second game after they kept making a big deal about this quarterback situation going down to Southern California. I got a communication from one of the BYU coaches that said, thank God John Beck saved our season. <laughs> see what i mean i mean i mean really like i mean i, I think it's great and and i am not taking anything away uh, i do a lot of of coaching on the side but you're limited as, as to what you can do right you're limited as to what you can help them with if you're not in a scenario where you can teach them a fundamental and then add in seven on seven and add a team practice situation to help them actually develop it. And, and Eric Roderick has done a great job. And Aaron Roderick has never been a guy that beats on his chest. He's never been a guy that's a me guy that has to have a lot of compliments or a lot of exposure for the things that he, that he does. But I think we're starting to see that a seasoned veteran coach down at BYU is doing some good things with Zach Wilson. I wanted to ask you about, uh, we talked about it earlier in the week, about this idea of when it comes to recruiting that you make a pledge to a guy and a kid makes a pledge to you and you don't recruit anybody else because obviously that's what played out with this Tuttle situation. Well, we don't even know if Zach Wilson is at BYU. And then we see SC has got, multiple offers they've got multiple commitments they're just they're not you know, just uh orally they're not uh, anything that can be signed yet and well, what do you think about that as far as i'm wondering about the quarterback i'll come here if you don't sign anybody else in my mind does that sort of scream a little bit uh, i don't want any competition yeah i think i think university of utah's learned They've, they've learned from that situation. And I actually, you know, we've been talking about Aaron Roderick, and I think, I mean, he was the one that was going to land Jack Tuttle, and he was the one that recruited Jack Tuttle. And I think he just thought that he was the right guy, and so they thought that it was the right thing to do. Um, unfortunately, quarterbacks transfer. And, uh, and if things don't go well, they transfer. So I think, I think coaches are trying to play that fine line between being – uh, dedicated to the guy that they really want, they think is the best quarterback that that is the that fits their program, and they're trying to play that line between um, having a guy that's not afraid to compete, but also getting a guy that you don't want to lose because there's so many other people that want him, right? And so, you know, Zach got picked up late, and I, listen, I have this theory. I have this theory on quarterbacks, and you guys can tell me what you think about it, but there's there's a problem with quarterbacks feeling like they've arrived. If there's it, so, and I can go back through the years, and I can like make an argument for this in the NFL, but like maybe John Elway and Peyton Manning are the exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, almost every quarterback that's been successful in the NFL has some sort of story that keeps a giant chip on their shoulder. So, 
I mean, just just one that I know really well. Philip Rivers is from Alabama. Do you think that he wanted to play? Like, do you think his first choice growing up was to play for North Carolina State and be a quarterback at North Carolina State? No. Uh, Drew Brees grew up in Texas. Do you think that his first choice was to play at Purdue? Right? Do you think Jordan Love out of Utah State, and I don't, I don't mean this to like hurt Utah State's feelings, but do you think that he grew up thinking, man, if I could just get to Utah State <laughs> to play, I know that everything's going to fall into place. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers playing junior college football and then playing for Cal Berkeley, who's mid to lower um, Pac-10 even when he's playing, do you think that was his dream school? And so these guys, these quarterbacks, when they still have a chip on their shoulder, when they still have something to work for, I think that things work out better for them because they feel like they still have something to prove. Whereas there's other guys, and, and you know, we've done this before on the show where I've gone through Elite 11. I mean, Elite 11, like the success rate of Elite 11 is they pick, they pick like 25% of those guys and they go to the NFL. I feel like I could do that, right? Like, I, I feel like you and DJ and PK, like me, us three in this room, we could go through and we could pick out the best players in the country we think that are high school quarterbacks. I think we could blame 25% of them in the NFL, right? Yeah, right. But, the most yeah. Part, but for the most part, Elite 11 guys transfer three times. There's... And right. so the thing that you can't pick out are guys that really want to work and really want to compete. And when guys really want to compete, that's when the magic happens, especially at the quarterback position. So how would you suggest that coaches adjust their recruiting? Because you told us earlier in this interview, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, former Aggie quarterback, that you thought Zach had NFL caliber skills. I'm paraphrasing. You can adjust that if you want. Coming out of high school, you thought he had a chance. And yet, the local schools, at the start, nobody wants him. Now, BYU, late in the game, Kalani goes there and does the whole apology. I should have been talking to you earlier. I should have offered you earlier. And they get him. But early on, none of them are going after him. And he's got to go up to a Boise State camp and show his stuff and convince those guys, oh, here's this is the overlooked guy that Boise State's been powering a program for 20 years with. If you know it, how come none of them know it? Or is there something about the recruiting process? They know it, but they're not invested in him for one reason or another. The Utes, because they think Tuttle is probably going to be an NFL guy. Maybe the Aggies don't think they can get him. I don't know that backstory. How would you adjust the recruiting process so this doesn't happen? Because he almost slipped through the net and almost didn't play in the state. Well, I mean, Utah State did offer him. Okay. Um, but um, this, is what I, this is what I think happens. I there's too much, and and as much as college coaches want to fool us into thinking that you know they're crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's, but there's and and I don't mean this in any disrespect to a movement that was going on in the country, but there's too much me too going on um, with college recruiting. It's like, oh wait, how come how come Cal Berkeley offered this guy? Or uh, I you haven't told me anything about this quarterback. Well, I mean, I can offer him. I mean, I talk to him. Dude, we need to offer this guy. We, you know, and then they get in this pressure situation where they're like, "How come we haven't offered?" And they don't do their homework. They they don't do their homework. Typically, the teams that do their homework do a better job. And I've and I've said on this interview before, when Cam Cooper was being recruited by the likes of Georgia and 
you know, all around the country, just like Jackson Dart's getting recruited at Corner Canyon now, there was only three coaches who really did their homework, who wanted to know what this guy was like off the field. Besides looking at film and just talking to the kid on the phone, they were they were ready they were ready to pull the trigger, right? But they weren't they weren't going in depth, like what kind of a student is he? They didn't talk to teachers to find out like what kind of a kid is he really? I know the coaches tell me that he's a great kid. They're not they're not even asking the coaches, is this guy the type of guy that like gets in the film room and likes to look at film that understand that that understands that he has to be a little bit different to be a quarterback on the next level. And I mean, I think Ed Larson at, at Lehigh was very surprised by that process that there wasn't more people that that asked him about his study habits, about how much he loves the game, all that kind of stuff with Cam Cooper. Now, maybe some, maybe more did with with Zach Wilson, but I feel like Zach. I mean, he slipped through the cracks. Number one, because he wasn't quite as big a frame to start with. But I also think a lot of kids in the state of Utah slipped through the cracks because nobody has exploded like Zach Wilson on the next level. And I think Zach Wilson is doing a huge favor to quarterbacks in the state of Utah right now because if he goes on and he plays in the NFL and he plays well, I promise you there are going to be a lot more teams from around the country that are in the state of Utah going, hey, if they got Zach Wilson out of the state of Utah and he was playing against that competition and he did that well on the next level, then there can be other quarterbacks. And I think maybe even Jackson Dart might already be someone that's like, you know, um, receiving some of the love of the success of Zach Wilson. Now Jackson's really well and he's really good in his own right. So um, I've always said, and I've said it on this show, as soon as somebody breaks through from the state of Utah, you're going to see it open up, and it won't just be offensive and defensive linemen and linebackers that get recruited from the state of Utah. It'll be quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, all positions when a quarterback makes it big on the next level. All right, thanks, Riley. As always, we appreciate it. And uh, saved by the bell, I guess just follow your conscience. (laughs) I'll, I'll see you guys around. Thanks for having me on the show. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. What music reminds you of sports the most? Polka. Why? No reason. <laughs> that was on. That's another Cougar! First down! <laughs> uh, How about them jazz? <laughs> I can't think of any kind of music that I would dislike more than polka music. Oh, yeah. See, this just... Wasn't this playing in the shot heard around the world? <laughs> Giants win the pennant! The Giants win the pennant! I dreamed of that night with you. <laughs> exactly. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Have a question for you. Who wants to win free tickets? This is pretty flawless. <laughs> Yuck. Is the button stuck? Try it one more time, Yuck. Hit it. Yeah. Come on, Yuck. One more time. No, the fifth time's the charm. Come on, Yuck. Do it. Do it. 
Yak, do it. I'm not doing it. Oh, man. Well, anyway, even without the sounder, it's a win ticket Wednesday here on the Zone Sports Network. The Utah Snowmobile Show is Friday from 4 to 9 p.m., Saturday and Sunday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy. More space, more vendors, more things to do this winter. It is presented by Fly Racing and Snow West Magazine. Be Caller 12 right now, and you win two tickets to the show. 855-340-ZONE right now. 855-340-ZONE. All right, PK, question of the morning. The Dodgers win the World Series. Does the Dodgers winning sting as much as the Lakers winning the NBA title? And mostly the answer is no, because we don't have a Major League Baseball team here and they didn't take anything away from us. There are a few fans, Giants fans are checking in, a a Tampa Bay fan checked in. Uh, Yeah, it hurts because they don't like to see the Dodgers win. But then we got this from Mark. Yep, all they need now is to have the Rams or the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. Boy, talk about a sports trifecta. Well, the Chargers are breaking in a rookie quarterback, and his day may come, but they're 2-4 and four right now, so I think you have to look at the Rams, who are 5-2. and two. And the one thing about the Rams, are you buying the 5-2, and two, knowing they play the NFC East, their, front, their schedule was front-loaded, and they picked up four wins against those teams? Oh, something to be said for that. Yeah, I don't think you can ignore that. But that's the great thing about the pro sport level is that, you know, we go back and forth. How good is BYU's schedule? And they've right. just beaten a bunch of paper tigers, blah, 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 blah. But at the pro level, that just doesn't matter because eventually everything will be what it's supposed to be according to your talent level. So in the meantime, though, that's a legitimate question because the NFC East stinks. And so, yeah, so you got four, you five there. Although you look good uh, Monday night, I think it was, against the Bears. There's no question about that. But you're going to be tested, and it's going to come because, obviously, Seattle's very good. And and if the Niners right now are the worst team in that division, record-wise anyway, that's not bad. We'll see. Uh, And I wonder about the Cardinals and just how good they are. But nevertheless, they're 5-2, and and they got a win over Seattle. So you can't just dismiss them because that's a very nice win. But everything will shake out in the pro level. That's the great thing about that stuff at the pro level is the schedule, who they play, blah, 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 really has no factor when it's all said and done. That Rams win was their first win over a team with a winning record. Uh, they had lost yeah, at the Niners. That's our only game in the division. They still got to play the Seahawks twice. They still got to play the Cardinals twice. And they had lost to the Bills in a crazy uh, 35-32 game earlier this year. So just kind of getting an idea who they might be. And they actually have the, the Seahawks and the Bucks uh, coming up in November. So we'll learn a little more there to see if yeah, every, LA— Every team in— yeah. Every, yeah. Every team in the league has plenty of tests. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Utah football fans, Kyle Whittingham, talking to the media three times a week during fall camp in the lead-up to the season opener, November 7th. Kyle will be asked about the starting quarterback and probably try to dodge that, I would guess. <laughs> he, he spoke just a few minutes ago. We didn't hear it. We were on the air, but we're going to play it for you. Next, you'll hear every word Kyle has to say. Stay with us.